<laughs> it's time for Verbal Tap, the show that proves fighting is way easier from outside the cage. With me, of course, Raf Esparza. Raf, how are you doing this evening? A very Merry Christmas to you, Kevin. A very Merry Christmas to you, sir. We're doing a special podcast outside of normal rotation, talking to Travis Conley this evening, a friend of mine. Um, we also have Sebastian, a friend of yours. Yes. So it's going to be an action-packed podcast, plus a little over-under Kevin yep. with your friend's interruption. Anyway, but first, we have some hot topics we want to get through, starting with men and women fighting in Rio. What say you, Rafa Sparza? Don't want it. Why not? You don't want to see a guy and a girl get in a tangle? No. I if I wanted to see that, I'd just watch people <laughs> having bad dates at McDonald's on a Friday night. Do you think the first set of fights is going to be from the cast of Jersey Shore? Oh, God, I wish it was. Uh, Ellen versus Three Conan. years ago. No. There are some great potential matchups here. This is just... Ridiculous. No, I have no interest in saying Maybe Regis this. and Kelly can finally tell us who's better. That's because it's Regis! <laughs> I'm just saying, a lot of potential. Now, I can't believe, I don't think this is coming to the States anytime soon. I hope not. I, I just, I, there's a reason why things are divided by weight class, uh, and the fact that you intertwine the two of them is just an organization trying to get attention. Like, what does this prove? We've already established that women do MMA. That's true. So I I don't have any argument for them. I just also watched this really cute jujitsu video mm -hmm. of like a six-year-old little boy and a six-year-old little girl fighting. It was the cutest thing I've ever seen. So maybe it'll be kind of like that. I guess, but I just – I don't have a need to see it. And this I think takes the proposition that was put up by the Fallon Fox – yeah, uh, is she a male or female kind of argument? And now we we see it. We we have to acknowledge that there is a guy and there is a girl. No questions about who they are. And now we have to watch this fight, or we don't have to. But I mean, it, they're putting it out there in Rio, so I guess we'll be reading about that later. That's true. And you know, people looked at me cross-eyed when I said we could finally put up. Chris Holdsworth and Juliana Pena and say who the true tough 18 champ was, but well, not as she didn't want to fight, but we didn't know the backstory for that. So now the more, you know, also true big news coming out of the fight world. That's just fucking up our Christmas. <laughs> well, Bigfoot Silva test positive fails some sort of substance test. Mm-hmm. TRT. It was TRT. We yeah, know that specifically. Um, yeah. Just shitting all over our dreams when it's it comes just, to that big, that huge match. The one thing I've put on our Facebook page was, "This is why we can't have nice things." <laughs> this is and it. it's such a kick in the balls because it's such a great fight. We didn't need it marred by this. And let's pretend, for the sake of this conversation, to take Bigfoot at his word in which he said he didn't know that he was doing it improperly and that other people were doing it for him. And let's just say that this is a teaching moment for athletes. Uh, sure. That teaching moment being 
know find what you're putting into your body. Better people to trust. Maybe do a Google search on them. Do something more than is this okay to put in my body? Sure, okay. I'm just disappointed, and frankly, I think he should get his money back. All those steroids, and he couldn't finish Mark Hunt. Plus, he got gassed. So what's the what's the point? I'm just saying. I don't think they're like cocaine drugs that they just make you an upper fighter for 25 minutes. I think it's just a a sad state of it. Just mars it in a way that I like that fight so much. And now that it has this, it's kind of an asterisk, so it's a little bit of a bummer. So he literally, yes, did ruin Christmas by doing that. Final quickfire topic. Carlos Condit's opponent has been set, and the fight night has been set, and it's... Well, frankly, I'm more confused than ever, Raph. Okay. Carlos Condit is fighting Tyrone Woodley. Yes. On the same card... Mm-hmm. Hendrix is fighting Lawler. Sure. Okay, the one versus the three matchup and the two versus the no rank matchup. Can yes. you defend this other than do you think Dana heard me criticizing that he's shitty at press and this is just him being like, I'll show that fucking guy. Uh, would you like to hear the story behind this one? Yeah. Okay, story is as follows. Tyrone Woodley, good fighter. Definitely on his way up in the division. Hard to go down where he's at. Sure. Yeah. But he's been uh, basically texting Dana. And Dana said in a post presser, he's like, Tyrone Woodley, this guy fucking texts me all the fucking time. And he's like, I want to fight Carlos Condit. And it's like, you're not even a ranked fighter. So, but that's the kind of guy I want fighting in my organization. So that's, that's what he said. And when somebody asked, hey, Dana, can he get a fight against Carlos Condit? He's like, no fucking way. He's not even fucking ranked. Why would we fucking do that? Well, guess what happened? So we're okay with Yeah, I saw an article from uh, TapSnap today that was like, you know, maybe it's really time for Dana to get the fuck out. And this is just reaffirming it. It's like, what? There's no integrity then, you idiot. Like, if the fighters can just text you on their way up. It's like, what was all the work for? It just... My one joke I put out was, so if Condit beats him, does it put him first in line to the middle of nowhere again? <laughs> so, will he then be right in line to get skipped for the next uh-huh. title shot? And I'll say this, Kevin, and maybe this is something we can take as a positive... Because I thought you needed a positive in this story. That I no longer have to worry about what those numbers next to the fighter's name means because they can might as well just go fuck themselves. Mesh, pish, posh. I think the one maybe scenario I see this happening is they presented the fight to Carlos Condit. And being the true gentleman and sportsman that Carlos Condit is, he probably said, fuck it, let's do it. I want to fight. Okay. So I'm it's sure a testament yeah, to I'm him. I'm sure he yeah. will fight anyone. That's not his job, though. I understand. I know you're looking out for his best interest. It's but ridiculous. I feel like that's the conversation because I, think I don't understand. Said yes, if you got to fight Hendricks again for the title, which is yeah, what dude. that too means. But I think he's uh, maybe he's trained so much that he's ready to just be active and not just be resting on his laurels, and that somebody who's an up and comer he wants to stuff. Because he wants to prove that he can beat anybody. 
well, fuck this card and fuck that decision because <laughs> Hendricks versus Lawler makes zero sense if Carlos Condit's fighting on the same card. Simply put, against if you want any integrity, guy. if you want any integrity on your rankings, if you could even sell me that this is a tournament. Have the number two fight the number four, or it would actually be two verse three and one verse four. But again, I'm applying logic to a fucked up situation. This is ridiculous. It just is. So I think the the remedy and the takeaway from this is on the night of this fight card, we just have to get you really drunk. We're no choice. Let mm. Lawler fight Woodley if you're trying to give him a test, and let's get that rematch of Carlos Condit and Hendricks that everyone wants. Like, it's just ridiculous. Yeah, I just like that this came out right as we were, you know, finishing up our last podcast where we <laughs> talked about this scenario, and we're like, well, let's see what happens with Carlos Condit. Oh, they have it fixed? Oh, this is. Oh, they fight. did not fix this. Uh, they did not fix it. Well. Good work, everybody. <laughs> it just you you understand like my seething anger about like what this does to the integrity of the ranking system and the whole point. It Kev, just I, really tells me there is zero integrity behind it. I would just like to say I'd like some news to happen that I don't get scared to tell you about. Because every time there's been a headline about Carlos Condit in the past three weeks, it's been nothing but Ah, oh, shit, I gotta break this to Kevin. Um, there's no way to sugarcoat this. And this was just the fucking icing on the cake where I go, oh, okay, well, fuck us. Okay. <laughs> just just screw it. Why? Why were we even trying to remedy this and give some logic and insight and analysis? Because that doesn't matter either. It just is so hard to figure out. It's like, okay, so he texted you, so he gets a crack at the two. You still haven't explained why there's no one verse three, and that's, uh, I think Kelly's still right. I think this is about money, and this yep. is how much money can we squeeze out. And the problem is, I think that's not a secret. Everyone can see right in front of them, this is about money, period. Yep. So, let's see. Maybe our Christmas wish comes true, and maybe Dana and Carl's Condit give us the explanations for this fight because i'm interested to see what carlos conde has to say i'm pretty sure it's going to be along the lines of you know uh, know, tyrone's a good fighter i'm stoked to fight him i'm not looking past him he works really hard and uh he's coming up like really hard in this division and like i i just respect him and i i really want to just uh fight him because i'm just excited to get back in the cage yeah always a class act Classy yep. warrior, not a new nickname. I'm just saying he happens to be a classy warrior. Yes, Are you yes, good father and classy warrior. Yeah, ready to start talking some jujitsu with some T Muns. Is that his name? No, L- longtime friend of mine, Travis Conley, is up next on the podcast. A uh, right. jujitsu fighter, been around a while, fighting in some tournaments, some big ones. Uh, it'll be fun to talk to him. Sweet, let's do it. Verbal Tap fans, this is a special Christmas jiu-jitsu episode, which means Raph and I had to bring on a special Christmas gift guest for the listeners. This one, Travis, you are on the line. Travis Connolly from Underground Gym, who's a jiu-jitsu fighter out of KCBJJ. Also, former pro-wrestle T-Money, and just all-around badass now in the MMA training world. Travis, how are you doing this evening? 
Doing fantastic, man. I actually just got done training a little while ago. Training, you say that you do a lot of different training. You train fighters for conditioning. You train jiu-jitsu. What were you training tonight? Um, I was doing, <clears throat> doing some jiu-jitsu at KCBJJ. Very cool. You do, you're an instructor along with, I saw. You're uh, teaching classes. Yeah, I teach a few classes. Um, one of our guys had um, back surgery, and I'm covering a class for him on Wednesdays. And then I've been teaching at um, L.C. Davis and uh, Jason High, their gym, um, HDMA, on Thursdays and Saturdays. So um, I'm L.C.'s coach, so that's where I go to train him and work his jiu-jitsu and everything. And I just kind of took over the jiu-jitsu classes there. So. And most importantly, you and I went to the same high school, Spring Hill High School, out there in uh, good old Kansas. Absolutely. Uh, So so then maybe, Travis, you can answer some (laughs) questions for me. Uh, This is a very, very important question I've really wanted to get to the bottom to since I started knowing Kevin. Do you mind answering the following question? Uh, Absolutely. I'll answer any question. Great. Where did it all go wrong for Kevin? (laughs) <laughs> I don't know. We're uh, that's kind of uh, it's like an enigma. Just still trying to figure it out. Uh, aren't we all? My parents included. And Travis, after you always so he, Travis is one of those people that when you first met him, like even as fifteen, sixteen, he'd be like, "Yeah, I'm gonna be a pro wrestler." And you know, it was a lot like I also was gonna be a pro basketball player. You know, like a lot of people just looked at him, sort of head tilted. Uh, Travis, you actually then became a professional wrestler. You got to talk to us about this part and I'm sure Raph will start to, uh, you guys can nerd out on old wrestling terms, but go ahead. Well, um, yeah, I was always like a, like a 4.0 student and whatever and, you know, good kid. And so everyone's like just frowned upon it. They're like, you're going to be the smartest dumb wrestler, you know, ever. (laughs) If you do do that, whatever. But, uh. I went and I got a, a shadowed Harley race when I was a nice. junior. You know, remember the career shadow day and I basically made a mockery of it because people are being like shadowing engineers and, you know, architects and like these, these badass professions. And I went and shadowed Harley race marketing and, and professionals. Yeah. <laughs> and and they couldn't, they couldn't say anything about it cause I was serious, you know? And then long story short through that, I, I created a good relationship with Harley and, put on two shows as fundraisers for the wrestling team and he presented me the scholarship and I started training as soon as I graduated and went through the academy the fastest faster than anybody that's ever gone through it in two months and I was pro wrestling within two months before I even started college. So. Now Kevin showed me a photo here and this is a photo of you wrestling with Buff Bagwell. Yeah. Buff. <laughs> okay, talk Good to me about this. Buff the stuff. He, uh, <laughs> it was the second year I think I wrestled. It was actually in Spring Hill, so I came back to you know our hometown and big show, and they brought Buff in as the as the big special guest, and we tag team. We went for the tag team titles against uh, the tag team champions. I think it was it was Superstar Steve and uh, Mason Hunter. So. Uh, yeah, Buff's cool. He was, uh, I, I don't know, what, what do you want me to say about, what else do you want me to say about that? 
Well, That's he coolest. was always one of those people <laughs> who rocked a mic and yeah, he did. He, he was very, very like uh, charismatic at, at some point, even when he, he got injured all the time. But yeah. he would go out and connect. And when they had the NWO angle, he was going out there and he looked like he was having the best time in the world. It's like nobody told him the party ever stopped, at least on yeah. TV. Yeah, um, so I guess. Go ahead. Oh, no, you go ahead. I'm interested to see where that goes. <laughs> probably because he was uh, he was under the influence of something and the party never did stop. Now, that <laughs> was something and, I and was it's funny. You said you said uh, he was always injured. He actually injured himself in our match. He pulled oh, his growing. <laughs> yeah, he pulled his growing doing the uh, like even before the match started, he was doing his poses, you know, his patented, you know, swinging the arms. <laughs> And then he would hit the double bicep and then drop down to his knees, you know, like he would drop down to one knee, like, like a Tebow, but he would have like a double bicep pose and he tore his growing doing that. And so during the match, he's like yelling at me, he's like, kid, kid, I tore my growing. And I'm like on the apron. I'm like, what? And he's like, and he's like, he's like, I tore my growing. You got to come in, you know? And then he like worked over and tagged me and I had to like take over a lot of the match because he, he couldn't hardly move because he tore his growing flexing you go you. not many grown men flexing oh. that's the best part of that that's kid fantastic. i tore my groin <laughs> fix it it's all on you now i feel like uh, homeless people are, are the most likely to yell that but i don't know I, I thought that was so interesting what was it about pro wrestling that made you want to be a pro wrestler man when i was five years old my aunt won us or won some tickets to a wbf show at Memorial Hall in Kansas City, and I sat third row. It was like, and I saw Andre the Giant, Ultimate Warrior, you know, the Rockers, um, all you know, all those things, all those guys, and it just, I fell in love with it. And I was just like, I didn't know. Obviously, I'm five years old. I didn't know what I was watching, but I just knew that that's what I had to do. And uh, it, it's funny though, like the Ultimate Warrior is one of those matches when Andre was like, like at the end of his career and they were really pushing warrior. So warrior ran in, hit the ropes like three times, clothesline the giant, pinned him and it was over. And the giant, they didn't even ring the bell or anything. And the giant went nuts and he came and he threw the table over the announcers. Tapes went everywhere. Like he was spitting, just going on a rampage. <laughs> and I was scared out of my mind. Like, cause I mean, he literally is, is, you know, 400 or 500 pounds and 70 and when you're like a five-year-old like you know there's going to be some doo-doo in your shorts you know it's pretty <laughs> freaky but anyway it's uh that was it was pretty much it from there and then and wrestling got really popular in uh the late 90s with the nwo and and uh you know the whole attitude era and and, and everything it was just it was just on from there and i just you know that's what i had to do and I mean, Go ahead, Ro. Uh I was just going to say, and and how does that translate to your transition to jiu-jitsu? Um, it doesn't, really. <laughs> because I, I tell this to Kevin, and I don't think he ever really understands it, but my brain was programmed in uh, doing jiu-jitsu. To, uh, if I am in a submission, to always look for a rope. Yeah. <laughs> And I, I well, feel like it's the stupidest thing in the world, but I literally, if I'm in an armbar, I'm like, well, if I make it to the edge, I'm going to be okay. Yeah, that doesn't, 
that doesn't happen ever. I guess you kind of get over that. It's kind of like, I guess when you transition from like, you know, collegiate or, um, you know, folk style wrestling to jujitsu, you just got to get over the fact that you can be on your back. And then it's just one of those things. So, I mean, the funny thing is, is like when I transitioned from wrestling to pro wrestling, like I almost like the first time I had to take a fall, I almost just naturally kicked out because I just wasn't used to laying down and letting somebody <laughs> hit me. And it almost just turned disastrous. I almost screwed up the finish and just ruined everything. Oh, no. But I couldn't help it. I wasn't, I wasn't, you know, I was just like instinctually just wanted to kick out, you know. And, a lot of times yeah, as a wrestler too, yeah. Yeah, luckily I didn't and it was all fine. But No DQs. Well, you yeah. found you found jujitsu, and uh, the way you described it to me, it was a a very quick transition. And you were you were a traditional wrestler as well, um, right. In high school, you found jujitsu. Did you fall in love immediately? What was your process like to say I'm going to go from just starting the training to becoming um, a tournament grappler? I mean, you've competed, you've won Miami Open, you were a very competitive purple belt. Um, how do you transition from just getting interested to competing and being a top-level grappler? Man, I, I mean, I always just, I guess, go all out with anything I do. And so when I found it, it was, I was in a weird transition from I was injured in professional wrestling and I was coming off a, a, a very, like, lengthy rehab of like a year of, of getting my shoulder back to normal function because I just destroyed it pro wrestling. And then... uh so I was at the end of that year and, you know, and, and I just, I fell into doing some submissions, you know, as, as my buddy called it out in, uh, in college and some mats out in the baseball, um, facility there at the college. And, uh, you know, I'd always been, it's kind of funny. Like I, I'm kind of embarrassed. I never watched like old UFC and, 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 you know, and like studied the Gracies and all that. Like, I watched <laughs> I watched pro wrestling, and so that was my only frame of reference. <laughs> Travis, I'm afraid just, you just violated five jiu-jitsu rules. Um, yeah, that pretty much. You're so not like, allowed to do. <laughs> so, no, go my, my frame of reference was, like, I thought Ken Shamrock was, like, you know, the world's most dangerous man, because that's what <laughs> WWF told me. And uh, so, I mean, he was, you know, uh, obviously a UFC champion and tournament champion and and, but but I was just like that. That was my interest, and I started watching a few DVDs on, on cage fighting and and all that, and and then it just it just slowly went from there. So very cool. And as you're transitioning into the competitive era, you're also training people, and because um, you you've sort of combined, yeah. and I have trouble keeping track of when you started also doing the training from a conditioning standpoint and getting people in athletic physical conditioning to also doing the jujitsu angles. Yeah, it was about the same time. Like when I was in college, I went and when I, when I was out that year, I couldn't do much. And so I went and got certified to start training people. And I just kind of knew that's what I wanted to do. It was, it was rewarding. People got a lot out of it. And I was like, man, I like this. I could do this for a living. So I did it. And then, uh, you know, it slowly as, as as my jujitsu got better and, and, uh, you know, I, I started winning more and people see the success. Um, you know, then they start training with me more asking what I do, what do I do for diet, this, and it, and it just, they naturally, um, you know, 
kind of mirrored each other and, and worked together well and 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 that's just kind of how it blossomed really it uh now i just you know i've got all kinds of people that I'll, I'll do their diets all over the country or even the world like i'll i'll do their diets or fighters i do a lot of professional fighters diets or, or amateur fighters diets and a lot of strength and conditioning and that's just kind of it fits cool. hand in hand and the the reason i started it is because you know it's um, my job is my hobby and my hobby is my job, you know, they fit hand in hand. And so it allows me to do these tournaments, to travel, to go around and, and, you know, to do everything. I'm not stuck at like a nine to five, you know, that has nothing to do with jujitsu. It's all, it, it all works together. And your now, gym is also right in the bottom floor of your house. So he yeah, literally I lives. Oh, <laughs> yeah. so I, I'm that crazy person who, uh, <laughs> Who who built it like a full scale gym? No, I'm not talking like a Bowflex in your concrete basement, you know. Like it's sure. a full scale no commercial tracks. gym. Yeah, this and, is uh, weights. You're not like a Craigslist killer that's like, come train here. By the way, downstairs in my basement. No, <laughs> I've seen those people, and and I want to kind of like fight that stereotype of, hey, hey, I've got a gym in my basement. Come train with me. And you go down there, and it's dark, and they've got <laughs> some sand sand weights and creepy and they basically have the set from any of the saw movies there you know that sort of thing yeah it's it's buffalo bill's basement you know (laughs) now travis this is so interesting like when you do have people there i mean i think that's the dream kevin and i have talked about having that kind of setup not a a full-out scale gym but just to have uh something so accessible that you can go train there is that something that you find that's very releasing when you get really angry you're like i'm going to train downstairs yeah, absolutely like it's funny like people you know people poke fun or whatever but you know it'll be like a friday night or saturday night and i'm just like downstairs in my gym just crushing it and and you know i can do that i don't i don't ever have to you know go anywhere or rely on anything i've just got this accessibility just right underneath and it's it's awesome i mean i'm always that person that thinks about you know, the goal and like what will help me achieve the goal, you know, the world championship, all this. And so when I started like looking for houses, that was it. I was like, I'm going to build a gym. It's going to be low overhead and I'll have, it'll just benefit me in so many different ways and benefit all my clients and members and everything. And, and, and that's what it's done. You know, it's not very many people, like most people buy like furniture and like you know, nice things like I bought weight equipment and shoved it down in my basement. I think I liked it because you're doing something great with it. I feel I would use it for mundane things like, "Hey, come over and watch football." Oh, we have an argument. We can settle this. <laughs> now, Travis, you just did a European tour for judo and jujitsu. Can you explain to us why you were doing it and what what you were up to? Yeah, it. Uh... It was awesome, man. We, uh, my buddy, I started training judo a little bit at the end of last year. So it's been a little over a year and he had, he went and did this tournament over in Germany earlier that year in 2012. And he's like, Hey, we can go over. And it was actually my idea. I'm like, why don't we go over and do that tournament again? And we could just set up. Cause he talked about how just rudimentary and primitive their groundwork was judo wise, you know, like they, they just never, it was just like foreign for the, a lot of those gyms to like start off on your butt or start on the ground and, and, you know, ground fight. So 
so I kind of, you know, brainchilded the whole thing and, and with his contacts set it up and other contacts I had from when I was in Serbia two years before, um, you know, set up some things made and just set up a bunch of tours and it ended up working out great. I mean, we made so many contacts, had a lot of successful um, seminars and, and, you know, it was just great. The first, I, I gotta, I gotta be honest though, the first like eight days, the tournament was the freaking shit. I mean, can I, is this? Okay. Oh yeah, you can cuss. You're good. Yeah. Oh no, it's okay. You've just scared away our entire audience right now. Yeah, okay. you've insulted the Gracies. No, I'm they're running away. They're just like, <laughs> what are these words? No, you didn't do that. Or, no, you're fine. They're like, what yeah. is what does the shits mean anyway? <laughs> it's so confusing. Hey, he anyway, studies nutrition. Was, yeah, he's, the uh, in pro wrestling, I don't. You'll get a kick out of this. And pro wrestling, you know, they call a match that's just awful. Like, you can't even watch it. They call it an abortion because it's just – that's what it is. <laughs> have you heard that before? I No, but I'm glad I have now. <laughs> I can't believe – I mean, if you're a pro wrestler, you've had to have heard that. Like, if any wrestler talks, they're just like – or they're, if they're talking shit on another guy's match, they're like, yeah, it was an abortion. But anyway, no, seriously. So you just walk backstage and you go, guys, I just had an abortion. No, like you wouldn't say that, but you would watch your tape later. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you were man enough to admit it or, you know, or whatever, but most likely you were talking about somebody else's match. Or if you had to work against somebody really awful, you're like, yeah, we had this match. It was an abortion. Like, you know, like an abortion. No one wants one. It's awful. Right. Yeah. It's no a lot of shame. Talk- no one speaks yeah. of it. Bad for no all one parties. Speaks of it. Yeah, yeah. It's exactly it. So you have anyway, to drive that Latina girl back home, even though she says that she doesn't <laughs> want to go home. It's weird. Yeah, it's yeah. hard to figure it out. Just, I'm no sorry. Did I share too much? <laughs> they just want to. They just want to act like it didn't happen. Yeah. So anyway, <laughs> this tournament in Germany was an abortion, and it ended up this this uh, this um, promoter of this tournament just ended up being the biggest flake. Just delusional just awful we had to stay with this guy for like seven days or whatever and so that part the first part of the tour was awful we lost our asses on money and had to deal with this guy um because we were just trying to give him a chance and just realize throughout like every day that this guy there's just no hope for this guy and once i once josh my my coach flew back home and i went off on my own and, and did the seminars that i had set up it was freaking awesome so and the turn and the the seminars we did set up in the Netherlands and uh, even at Dusseldorf were awesome. And I can go back there without that crazy corrupt um, <laughs> German promoter. Did you so. have any language barriers while training, or was it fairly easy in the uh, just sort of the fight language? That, I mean, it's it's fairly easy. Like um, you know, I have a good. I don't know through training people. I, I'm used to dealing with a lot of different people, and I'm good with kids and you know, older people and just pretty much anybody. I pride myself in being able to connect or, you know, teach anybody. And most of the countries know enough English or somebody does, you know. But And another thing, too, is, like, when you're on the mats, like, you can, through body language and everything, you can pretty easily teach, you know. I mean, if you're a good teacher and, and translate through through mat language, I guess you can call it. But I will say, like, it, it was pretty intense. Like, the first seminar, we we went to the Netherlands, and we broke off in groups, and I had, like, 12 little Dutch kids. They're, like, five, six years old staring at me, and I had to teach – you know what I mean? As hard as it is to teach, you know, kids your own language, I had to teach these kids who 
I don't know a lick of Dutch, you know, and they don't know a lick of English, and I'm teaching them jiu-jitsu, and I killed it. It was awesome, and it, that was a huge confidence booster. I was like, I can do anything if I can teach five-year-old Dutch kids jiu-jitsu. Well, that's the truth. If you can teach the Dutch anything, that's called a world <laughs> achievement. So congratulations. <laughs> jiu-jitsu speaks across all cultures and languages. And speaking of limiting the communication across all cultures, Raph, I believe you have a game related to pro wrestling that you were going to play. Travis, are you are you down? I'll play a game, certainly. You're welcome to attack Raph and put him in some sort of compromising submission. Why? That's I'll I'll use the Texas Cloverleaf because that's pretty degrading. Kevin, you don't know what that means. Also, that's terrible. Uh, okay, okay. Now I, that I, I know... To, I gotta make a trip to D.C. soon, so I'll, I'll remember, man. I'll, yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll get it taken care of. I mean, that's fine, because at that point, you're taking care of Kevin. I'm out in L.A. I don't know why I just told you that. That's Yeah, I don't either. He's out in L.A. Oh, well, I know well, he that's fine, too, because I, I go out to the Pan Ams, and I go out to L.A., Several oh, times God a damn year. it. <laughs> Tons of tournaments out there. Not a problem. <laughs> well, I guess we don't have a game to play anymore. No, <laughs> uh, Travis. So it's actually, it's like a hybrid game. It's a little bit of jiu-jitsu, more pro wrestling, but I want you to answer these questions as fast as you can. This is a lightning round, so keep in mind you are being timed, okay? okay. All right. All right, here we go. I need you to finish the following sentences. Okay. When I roll... I want to try and pull off the following pro wrestler finish. Figure four. Not a bad answer. Although, I do like the idea. There are videos of people doing it. He got penalized once at a high school wrestling tournament for figure fouring someone. Did you really? I watched it. (laughs) We were like, why is he losing points? They were like, because you can't do that with your legs. Yeah, Um, and I used to like, I used to do the banana splits and like, which basically pulls apart dudes' growings and, like, they would penalize me because I would just – you're not supposed to just, like, inflict pain on your opponent in wrestling. Bah. And, and, I, and I would, but that's I guess that's why I kind of got into jiu-jitsu because I was like, you can do submissions and it actually Do you works. think that you would have actually made it okay and would not have gotten penalized if you had just yelled out, woo? <laughs> you just wooed your way out of it. I'm pretty sure they can't penalize you. I think that's like – if rule. I would have done like the classic, like, like ah, and like shook my head up and down, like he probably would have <laughs> just tapped out, like forfeited. You know. <laughs> well, now you've learned, so I'm glad we've we've discussed yeah. this. Uh, question the this. second: My jiu-jitsu style is most like the following pro wrestler. Um, Chris Benoit. That's deadly. That's a good one. <laughs> Is that, is that awkward? Uh, you know, it wasn't awkward in 2003. It yeah, did exactly. just get a little weird right now, but uh, good to know. I'm definitely not messing with you now. If you had to pick a nickname, a wrestling nickname for Kevin, what would it be? Oh, I don't a wrestling nickname. I don't know. Well, as someone who's being referred to as T-Money, I feel you have experience in the nicknaming business. Yeah, but I, I just can't come up with one on the spot. Without, I don't know. I consider that a good thing. 
I blame yeah. mostly Kevin for being so bland. He doesn't lend himself <laughs> anything interesting, uh, as opposed yeah. to the question. Uh, the pro wrestling move I fear being put in the most is. Um, are we talking like, like a shitty finisher or like an actual legit? Like I'm scared of it. Both. Like okay, like the freaking. Whatever John Cena does, like the shitty version of a Death Valley driver, I would never want to take that because it's just awful. Or the RKO is just a really bad diamond cutter. So, like, they take these badass old finishers and they just make them shittier versions of what they used to be. And I don't understand how they get away with it. But as far as, like, an actual... Um, I guess I would think of more of like a pro wrestling move than like a submission. Is that what you're asking? Yeah. I mean, you, again, this is free reign. You can say what you feel. Open-ended. Um, man, one time I was going to take the, uh, the, uh, the, uh, you know what the styles clash is? The, uh, yeah. I was going to take it off the top rope. My buddy used to do it and he used to call oh. it the VHS cause he used to do, the DVD driver, and I go, well, you should call that, and he was looking for the name, call the Styles Clash, and I said, well, since you do the DVD driver, you should do, you should call it the VHS. Ha ha, DVD, VHS, get it? And anyway, so he's gonna <laughs> hit me, he was going to hit me with the VHS, and this, this um, really bad pro wrestler who lubes up in baby oil, he, he's really fat, and he would, like, think it would, like, make him shine, he would just lube up in baby oil and go out there. And if you put – it was, it had been said if you put a broomstick in place of him, no one would notice. Like, that's how bad he was as a wrestler. <laughs> anyway, like, so he got on the ropes. He flicked up the ropes. I was going to run up to the top. He was in the match before me. So me and my buddy Mark go out to, to have a match, and I was going to run up the top ropes into, and, and hit him with, like, a hurricane runner, but he's going to counter it, hook my arms, hit me with a Styles Clash. Um, luckily, I guess the, I, I slipped because there was so much baby oil on the ropes and, and Mark, my opponent just pushed me. And then, you know, I took the bump and, and then he just went ahead and did it on the ground. But we were going to find out later, this dude got his neck broken because they did a style clash off the top rope. And so it was kind of a, uh, a happy accident. So I guess, uh, and, and, uh, in a, in a long route to answer your question, I guess the uh, Styles Clash off the top rope would probably be good. Awesome. I'm glad that I'm glad that you didn't get hurt, and I'm sure your neck thanks you too. Uh, yeah. I've got a couple more. Here we go. Best there is, best there was, and best there ever will be is Bret Hart. No, actually, the real answer is me. But close second, Bret Hart. <laughs> Next question: Do you walk out to jujitsu with a theme song? If not, why? If so, whose music is it? Um, no, I, I don't. And why? It's um, there's really no entrances in jujitsu. Um, you just <laughs> yet. So there's yeah. like there's hundreds of competitors, and they're all going on at the same time. So it would just be, I, I don't know how they would do it unless you did it in like a like an exhibition style or like a like they do grappling matches in a cage or whatever. Then that would happen. Or, or a badass mix. One of the two. Yeah. That'd be some yeah. serious DJing. <laughs> and, if, and if I did, it would be it would probably be my old theme music from pro wrestling. It'd be Rage Against the Machine, Killing the Name. Sweet, that's a great song to walk out to. Final 
question. Can you cut a promo at my expense? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Not even was, a question. It was, was a little too uh, was a little too uppity. All right, fine. I would like I to mean, hear I, it go. I would have to, uh, I don't know, I'd have to know a little bit more about you so I can really dig in deep. But... Huge what head, not do? very tall, Hispanic. Go. <laughs> <laughs> that... All these are actually very accurate. So I, I... <laughs> I think I covered it. No, I'm not going to do one on the spot if that's what you're asking. Let's see, so capable can... of doing. <laughs> I see why we went to jujitsu. It's okay. It's okay. And Travis, people can find underground chit <laughs> in chim underground gym. U-N-G-D dot TV, is that correct? That's it, you got it. You want to train with Travis, well, it's pretty easy. You can either find one of his European tours, or as he's traveling the country, shoot him an email. He's uh, very easy to get a hold of and a ton of fun to work with. And I've actually, it's been really great to sort of see you paving the way with the MMA fighters as well, transitioning to that conditioning and jujitsu coach on the other side. It's uh it's a lot of fun. And I, I will actually be in town next week and I'm going to come train. I'm bringing the gi. I'm definitely making it up to uh, take a Travis Conley class. Kick ass, man. That's awesome. Be, be fun, dude. I am stoked. Any last minute places people can find you or did I cover it? No, that's pretty much it, man. Um, yeah. Hit up my website or, you know, find, you can find the social media network or the outlets through yeah. there. So. T-Money, we appreciate you stopping by Verbal Tap for our special jujitsu Christmas edition. Appreciate it, man. That's, glad to be a guest, man. I appreciate you guys asking me. No problem, man. Funny stuff, dude. All right, fight fans. Uh, as you know, we like to play a a great game Woo! here called Over Under Kevin, where Kevin ah. tries to guess what happens on an upcoming UFC card. But today, Hells we decided yeah. to up the ante. Is that against, right? Against my will, <laughs> we're upping uh, the ante. You really don't have a choice. Uh, yeah. Today, we are bringing in uh, one of my friends, a writer and contributor for MMA Knit. He's also a part-time dancer and kind of whatever MMA needs him to be. Please welcome Sebastian Vendel Martinez to the podcast. Woo! What's up, Sebastian? Hello. Oh, you know, I'm just here to steal people's thunder. Oh, snap. Starting to ride this whole uh, sort of rapey angle that you're uh, pulling (laughs) on the fact he doesn't have a choice and you're forcing stuff upon him. You're going to have trouble dancing around this, sir. That's what I say to you. Uh, Sebastian, I'm going to limit you to about three (laughs) rape jokes uh, for the duration of this. But uh, keep that in mind. So, guys, this is kind of the way it's going to work. The rules are as follows. I am going to give one of you 15 seconds to make your case as to why a person is going to win or lose the match. Then you will have... The other person will have 15 seconds to make their case. Then there's going to be a rebuttal for as long as I feel like it. And we're going to move like that all the way throughout the card. Are you guys ready for this game? 
Absolutely. I don't know if I'll ever be, but uh, now's as good a time as ever. <laughs> so basically true. the rules are Raph will do whatever the hell he wants and tell Fair. whoever's up when the time is up. So perfect. That's pretty much oh, the game. So, I mean, so yeah. it's like hanging out with Raph. Basically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, by the way, Sebastian, why are you credible for picking fights? I don't, I don't know that we really discussed that. Are you credible? Uh, well, to state my case, I have been uh, – I've reported from several UFC events. I, I know a few MMA fighters personally. I awesome. uh, report on a pretty much a daily basis on MMA. And uh, yeah, I think that's pretty good credentials if you ask yeah, me. Yeah, but why are you qualified to do this? Well, A, I also train uh, both MMA and Thai boxing. So I have a bit of inside information and sort of I know how everything works. Oh, Kevin, and what do you know? For example, UFC, UFC events work behind the scenes since I've actually been behind those scenes and looked up those skirts. Um, when I was preparing for this, I watched UFC primetime five with Frankie Edgar. Sweet. <clears throat> yeah. I don't know that that's really going to play any help here. Well, let's play it by year. See how it goes. Okay. I mean, I might not know how they work behind the scenes, but I know how they work um, in front of the scenes, and I can tell you I like it. Decent recovery. Well, I Kevin. did. I did harass Cub Swanson at a, at a club in Stockholm once. So, you know, it just even further inside. <laughs> Name dropper. <laughs> yeah. I love that we have Barbara Walters on the, our fucking podcast now. <laughs> Recently, when I was speaking. To President Netanyahu. All right, guys, you know the rules. Uh, I want a clean and fair fight. Actually, I, I don't. I actually want a very mean and just completely unethical <laughs> fight between the two of you. All right, Kevin, we're going to start with you. And remember, Kevin, we go out of order so you don't know what's coming up next. Yep. We go in five, four, three, two. Kevin, your first fight is Dennis Silver versus Manvel Gamburian. I can't believe you said Silver. His name is Siever, and the man's got more weapons than the Third Reich. That fucking German doesn't stop throwing punches, and there's no line, but he is beating Gambian. All right, we're going to go over to Sebastian. Sebastian, you've got 15 seconds. Go. Uh, Siever is a Russian-born German, and if there's any scarier combination, I've never heard of it, because those are the bad guys in every movie. So I think Siever by TKO. See, Kevin, he was able to do both a prediction and a joke at the same time. Take note. We're going to go to our next fight. Actually, no. I want to hear Kevin's response. Kev, you have five seconds to respond. Well, first of all, he copied me with the German following, so he not only used mine but didn't even pronounce the Anvil Goomberian, who lands 1.57 less strikes per minute. Okay, that's pretty boring. You just read something off a website. Uh, your response, Sebastian. Uh, well, I was thinking it. Unfortunately, he was ahead of me as, you know, I managed to be better at most things in general than him. Uh, give me the first chance, and I'm sure he'll copy me. All right. Strong words. All right. Tell you what, just for that, Sebastian, this next pick, we're going to go ahead and start with you and see if you can come up with something original. Your fight is going to be Josh Barnett versus Travis Brown. Go. Oh, tough one, but Josh Barnett is a war master, uh, and I think I just see him 
taking some hard shots, taking it to the ground, and then putting Travis Brown through the worst ground and pound he's ever been through. Not bad. Just under the wire. Kevin, do you think you can beat that go? 56 fights between the two of them. Josh has never fought someone named Travis, and Travis has never fought someone named Josh. What does it matter? Nothing at all. But Brown is five, is six seven, two inches taller than Barnett. Trains with Jackson. He's going to win this fight. Oh, no. Answer. Kevin, the math tripped you up. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and go to Sebastian. Sebastian, did you have a response to whatever nonsense Kevin was saying? Uh, I didn't even really fully understand the nonsense he was saying, aside from the end of it, uh, where he chose the wrong fighter to win. But uh, I think it was a decent argument. Okay, Kevin, what is your response to that? Go. He, Travis, shut up. Raph, that's it. Travis Brown is an Irish cock taller than Josh Barnett. Four inches. Four total inches. That's going to factor in. Barnett doesn't do the reach well. Wow, look at that. Kevin most is most actually trying to do some of four inches. <laughs> <laughs> well done, Sebastian. You know what the stupid part is? Uh, as a moderator, I feel I should say that doesn't count, but I don't care. We're going to go to our next fight, which what is... The... Yep, deal with it. John Howard versus Sayer Bataruza. Well, a real battle of Doomsday versus the Great in the nicknames. I'm not excited about this fight, so I'm going to go with the guy that's never gotten a draw and averages more takedowns, more submissions, and more Kevin, shots. Kevin, you didn't even get your Doomsday. prediction out. We're going to go ahead and go to Sebastian. What do you got? Uh, I want to make a terrorist joke in bad taste, but I'm not going to do it. Some thing <laughs> that yard drops a bomb on John Howard. <laughs> Wow. He wins that round. I can, I can see that you, round. You don't even have a, a rebuttal for that. <laughs> no, that won. was good. That was really good. Wow. Kevin just tapping out. Without oh, verbally. I didn't think it happened so quickly. <laughs> well, well I've clearly I've never rolled with Kevin then. Uh, let's go ahead and go to our next fight. Sebastian, you're going to lead this one off since you won that last one. Jim Miller versus Fabricio Camoz. Uh, I see Fabricio Cahoos. Uh Camoz has been out for a while. Miller, he's only fought the best. I think he takes a, a clear-cut decision. All right, Kevin, same question. Who do you got? Go. First of all, I find the notion of a clear-cut decision as hilarious as it is avoiding. Fabricio Morango is a black belt jiu-jitsu guy. He's going to defeat Jim Miller because it's not about hair color. It's about fighting. Ooh, snap. Sebastian, he said your hair is weak. What do you have to say to Kevin on that one? <laughs> you, well, I, 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 you know, I, I accept his hair color, and I raise him two biceps. And, and I say I win that battle in that case. Oh, snap. We're talking about the human anatomy, Kevin. What's your response? My hand-eye coordination and argumentation skills are superior. Ooh, that's a reach. We're going to go to our next fight. <laughs> Our next fight is Dustin Poirier versus Diego Brando. The Poirier starred in a little feature film called Knockout. It was amazing, and I think that was the title. I got to go with the tatted up kid. He's got a new sleeve. Poirier's fighting and winning. Okay. Uh, Sebastian, it's to you. Uh, I feel like Brando has lost a little bit of the intensity that he had from the ultimate fire. I see Poirier just being too well-rounded and his selection of candy is just outstanding so i'd say eh, is, uh, that's so stupid <laughs> i'm gonna cut you off just because that's so stupid kevin what do you have to say to that 
Poye is a fat kid at heart. I don't know if that's what the candy's about, but he was very clear. He used to be chunky. I just think uh, Poye's about to make the leap. This is a bad matchup for uh, Brandau. It's a terrible matchup. Sebastian, your response? I don't think there's anything more ferocious than uh, a really well-established uh, athlete that's a fat kid on the inside because it's just you've got hunger on all levels. So, yeah, I think Poirier makes a jump. <laughs> Hunger on all levels may be the best analysis of this entire <laughs> nonsensical segment. We're going to go t-shirt. to our next fight. Uh, we're going to start with Sebastian. Ronda Rousey's versus Misha Tate. Oh, I, I wish I was refereeing this one just so I could be in there with both of them. Uh, I would. It's hard to pick against Rousey. Uh, I've seen how batshit crazy she got on the Open Fighter. I would not want to fight her. Armbar first round. All right, Kevin, what do you have on this one? It's worth noting this fight is minus eleven hundred. That's how much Rousey is favored. I always go when I see two women. Uh, it's going to be the battle of who has the most mannish arms, and it's tough in this case, but Rousey wins. Wow, Kevin is being just sexist enough in time. Uh, Sebastian, <laughs> your response? Mannish arms. You know, I, I've, I was thinking about the arms, but uh, well, that wasn't the only body parts I was thinking of, to be honest. But, uh, I, yeah, I have to agree with him there. Yeah, that's a good argument there, Kevin. Wow, Boom. agreeing to be boring. We're going to our next fight, which is Robbie Peralta versus Estevan Payan. Estevan Payan versus Robbie Peralta is one of those fights that it's like, it's problems versus El Terrible. I'm just going to go with the taller guy, which is El Terrible, Estevan Payan. There's no lines on this fight, by the way. Good luck finding anything even remotely for analysis. Oh, uh, Kevin can't use the internet properly. How about you, Sebastian? What do you have? Well, this is a all Latino throwdown, which I think is going to make a great fight. But I think the amount of blood that Esteban Payan lost in his last fight is going to lead him uh, a bit lightheaded into the cage. I think Peralta wins the decision. Clearly, you don't know Mexicans. They can fight lightheaded all the time. <laughs> You're only half, so it really doesn't work for your advantage. Kevin, this do you ever This is a segment called Raph's Rebuttal. Um, yeah, I'm just counting the amount of abs that Estevan Payan has in his photo, and I think it's 10. Was that well, it is all... hard to argue with a, with a 10-pack, to be honest. But uh, at the same time, when, when Estevan Payan left the cage in his last fight, it looked like there had been about five people executed in the octagon. <laughs> uh, I just think he's in over his head here. Five people executed would be a better nickname than El Terrible. They should throw that in the hopper. El Terrible, uh, fun fact, audience, was the original name for El Torito. Didn't know that. Now you know. The more you know, now you're playing with power. It's Continuing Spanish on. for the terrible. Yup. Good job, Kevin. Uh, your next fight is going to be William Mauricio versus Bobby Volkner. Bobby Volkner versus William Mauricio Potonia versus Vicious. Um, this is easy. William Masario, I looked him up. He's quick, he's hungry, and he has a very vicious... Oh, Kevin what taking the, the bait fuck? and realizing when you say a name wrong, he spends way too long saying it again. Go ahead and go over to Sebastian. Well, I just want to start by saying I think it's hilarious how much uh, how often the host is uh, mispronouncing the names. I think uh, Bobby Walker is just too experienced. I think he wins by TQ. 
Sweet. No one cares about your rebuttal because I'm going to give Kevin free reign to say what he wants. Uh, if you were smart enough to know, you'd be able to both make fun of the person and ignore the fact that the mispronounced names are a trap. Boom. Kevin. Was that a setup? Uh, I'm basically going off striking and well-roundedness. Masario lands 61% of his punches. He attempts two per minute. And he's great at defending them. I just see him uh, overwhelming him with athleticism, especially. All right. Good enough. Okay, Kevin, are you ready to take this fight? Yes. Too bad. I'm going to give it to Sebastian first. Uriah Hall versus Chris Liebman. Go. It's hard to pick against uh, the crippler, especially when uh, this Uriah Hall hype train has derailed itself pretty consistently. So I, I, I pick him a crippler. All right. Kevin. Do you have a response to that? Oh, this is easy. Raya Hall is going with the nickname Primetime. There are two things you don't do in America. You don't piss during a dream, and you don't steal Deion Sanders' nickname. Chris Lieben will win this fight. That, that was the analysis you had for that? Yeah, that was pretty much it. You know, I'm going to give you another 15 seconds to redeem yourself. This is easy. Uriah Hall, like, if you just... This is not a matchup he wins mentally. He struggles with people he really respects, and Chris Lieben's been around forever. He's going to be psyched out. Fight over. Interesting. All right, Sebastian, what's your response to that? Go. Yeah, I have to agree. I think the mental game is a bit of a problem for Eri Hall, because honestly, he is a great fighter, but he just that great fighter doesn't show up. So, I mean, I guess you could say that he's missed his prime time. Oh, he used Kevin's own thing against no, he him. Didn't. Wow. I was defending my boy Dion. No, but he incorporated primetime into his analysis. Therefore, I have to side Sebastian on this one. Gentlemen, here's what's going to happen for this last fight. I'm going to set the clock at 15 seconds. You both just have to shout out your predictions. Whoever is loudest and most accurate will win. 15 seconds, go in three, two, one, go. Ronda Rousey, I'm sorry, Chris Weidman and Anderson Silva. Silva! Anderson Silva comes back hungrier than ever. No more Michael Jackson moves. He's just, yeah. He was doing what they call in basketball a heat check. That's all that last fight was. Just a little check to see if he was, in fact, invincible. Now that he knows he's not, he's going to knock him out. Interesting. So both of you are going Anderson Silva? Yeah, it really sucks, though. I just watched the uh, Weidman behind the scenes, and he's a good, he's a, he seems like a stand-up dude. Does well, he? I agree with you. I've, I've, I've met him. He's a, he's a nice guy. He's a, he's a, a, oh, go fuck yourself, admirable. Sebastian, with your I've met him. He is a nice guy. Sorry, I've recently on, had dinner saying? with the Princess of Monaco. <laughs> yes, you know people. We mm-hmm. can, no, go ahead. Is he? Uh, well, I, I kind of lost track here, but uh, either way, <laughs> I point being, Weidman is an <laughs> excellent, excellent fighter, but uh, Anderson Silva, he's just, he's, you know, he's the Darth Vader of, of MMA. I mean, you can't pick against him. It's, even if he loses, you can't pick against him. I and agree. Kevin, he... you should know this. I was sitting next to Sebastian when that last uh, fight happened in Vegas. Really? Yeah. Fascinating. So Sebastian and I both got hit with ice. Do you remember that, Sebastian? I do, I do remember that. 
I also mm-hmm. remember being hit by uh, quite quite a few pretty hate-filled comments by the American fans around us. <laughs> but was it? I mean, that's just because you're Swedish and Mexican, so you have a big target on your back. But it's like. There was a contingency of Brazilians who were very pissed at Anderson Silva, was there not, at that July fight? Yeah. And uh, it was a little bit uh, tragic seeing them leaving their, with their heads hung pretty low uh, and then with the uh, very outspoken American fans you know, actually yelling at the Brazilian fans as we left. Sure. <laughs> I love that every part of that was a nationalistic edge at... <laughs> Just everybody else except for you. Well, you got to fight fire with fire, am I right? I, I get. Do you know what that phrase means? I was going to say, I'm not sure it applies. Let me ask you this: Do you guys agree? Like, do you think this fight stays standing, or do you think uh, it goes to the ground quickly? Well, I know that uh, Ray Longo has uh, uh, said that he he's picking Wyman to win by a submission. Uh, and I think that actually this fight is going to go a lot longer, and I do think it is going to take place on the on the mat a little bit. But I don't see him submitting Silva. I see him getting back up and then doing his disco dance all the way to to the knockout. Did you find that answer when you had lunch with him? <laughs> no, I had a, I found that answer while he was giving me a back massage. Ah. Of course, the only way you conduct business. Uh, Kevin, this is going to be actually a lot of fun because I should be there uh, with Sebastian reporting live next week. So the two of us will be able to find out if these are going to be accurate picks. You guys are going to have to tell us. Uh, You're going to have to tell me everything. You're just going to have to tell me everything. And then by that point, Giraffe is going to be name dropping at least as much as I am. Yeah, let's take it ahead of ourselves. He'd have to work pretty hard. (laughs) The worst part is I can see your brain without seeing you in person, just calculating who you're going to name drop next. You know, this reminds me of a story, everybody. Uh, Once when I was having dinner with UFC president Dana White. Do you know who he is? Oh, yeah, yeah. Have you heard of him? Do you know Dana? Mm -hmm. Um, well, I, well I, I was actually going to say when, when I was uh, fishing with George St. Pierre, but uh, yeah, the, the dinner with, with uh, Mr. White was pretty, pretty nice. Well, apparently, George St. Pierre has some more time to go fishing with you again. Uh, but let's say this. Uh, Sebastian, thank you very much for making an appearance on here. Do you have any final predictions for this UFC 168 card? Uh, well, I was actually going to predict the, uh, the bonuses, uh, which I don't oh. know you should do that. Uh, oh, we don't, but do it, because it's going to show how much better at this you are than Kevin. Let's oh, do oh, it. There we go. All the more reason to do it. Uh, I'm saying knock it overnight, Anderson Silva. I think he pulls up a crazy kick, uh, which picks Weidman. Uh, fight of a night, I'm actually picking uh, Poyer and Brandau, just because Brandau is as intense as he comes. Even if, you know, He's not always the most technical fighter, and Poyer is just really skilled all around. And then the submission of the night, oh yeah, that uh, goes to the arm collector, Ronda Rousey. Bold predictions with Sebastian. I'm going to well, go fight of the night, go. Barnett Brown. Knockout of the night goes to Ronda Rousey. Submission of the night, Anderson Silva. 
after that was kind of like my picks, but not as good. That is, I, <laughs> mine were action packed and calculated guesses. Mm. Rousey uh, might do an arm bar. <laughs> gentlemen, I would like to say this. Would you like to conclude with a wager? What kind of wager? What are you talking about? I don't know. Why don't you talk to your opponent? <laughs> That's not how that works. You don't just propose that we bet something. You have to have something in mind. That's actually not how it works. Uh, Sebastian, do you have something in mind? Hmm, okay, how about we wager the winner has to send the loser a random package of two items, and it can be as random as possible. Um, I accept. I accept that. <laughs> Kevin took a second to think about it and was like, "I, what am I getting in this? Oh, I, I like the idea. I do. <laughs> I that was like, I wasn't ready for that to come out, but I, I enjoy. I accept. Loser sends winner right. two random items. There we go. I like it. Well, gentlemen, you I... heard it here first. Go ahead. No, I was Sebastian. just about to say, you heard it here first, but then you stole the words right out of my mouth. Yeah, dude, because I'm being a good host. Let me host my own podcast, you dick. Uh, Sebastian, now I'm going to say something nice. Thank you so <laughs> much for being on our podcast. It's such a treasure to have you on. You're a gentleman, and I look forward to covering this event with you. Oh, yeah. Thanks for having me, guys. It was a lot of fun, and I'm also looking forward to... Uh, uh, sharing your room and for you seeing a lot more of me than you were expecting. Nope. I'm looking forward to that too. (laughs) Thanks, Sebastian. And we're... Yes? Yeah. It's time for Christmas. That's, and it's uh, time okay. for a special... I don't know if that was a question or not. No, that was me segueing. Oh, okay. I really need like a segue indicator, which is, you know, supposed to be the segue, but let's plow forward through sure. the snow of the season. Oh, God. To head into a little thing we like to call special Christmas shoutouts. Would you like to explain the premise of this? I would before I just give up on 2013 altogether while doing this with you. Uh, So the basic premise of this was Kevin and I are shitty human beings. Yeah. I think we don't make any apologies for that, but, you know, it's who we are. And every once in a while we try and do something nice. So we put some notes out to our friends uh, in the jiu-jitsu community and on our Reddit board, which, by the way – Uh, The people on the Reddit board are very nice. They listen to our podcast, and they're not afraid to tell us if they like it or not. And we respect that, and we hope we continue making a good product for you guys. But on this one, we had some folks who wanted to spread some good cheer about folks doing good for the jiu-jitsu community. So we're going to read some of the shout-outs that people were asking us to do. That's awesome. That's a good idea. Uh, But we'll start with Robin Burra, who uh, on the Reddit forum basically said, hey, uh, could you please give a shout out to Montreal BJJ Revolution team? Uh, I don't live in Montreal right now, so I don't get to train there, but it's my home and I hope I get to drop by soon. And he's saying that he's been uh, trying to replace the good feeling that they have. And he's talking about how 
uh, one instructor in particular, Koji, said that the reason they started the school was because it was intended to be a place of constant positivity and support in our lives and a place that we could go to get better if something was wrong. So he says that that academy gave it to him and it's been hard to replace that. So we want to send a big shout out to MontrealBJJ.com. Uh, not only are they doing that for him, but a whole bunch of other people in that community. And uh, we hope you guys continue to do good things. You're obviously appreciated by the good people on Reddit. I would love to go out to Montreal and train some jiu-jitsu. Uh, oh, shit, man. Damn, that sounds fun. Great call. Our next one from South Fresh, a Reddit user that says, Come try out B-N-A-A-C-V-Mac. This great uh, guy was talking about the fact that he didn't have a gym. He asked for a place near Los Feliz, which is kind of out near my area. And I sent a note to him and said, dude, you got to come to Valley Martial Arts Center. And he was like, oh, my God, the prices are great. The classes look legit. You guys got good people here. I want to come here. So we're sending a shout out to him and hopefully he comes to train because as Kevin will attest, Valley Martial Arts Center, good times, man. It's a great place to train. It really is. I got yeah. some some nice renewed zest training over at the good people of VMAC, top-level instruction. Our next shout-out from Jamie Gonzalez. Hi, me, Gonzalez. Uh, our good friend over at BJJRants.com. Uh, he... I always do that with the hi, me. I do that in Portuguese, too. I always pronounce the R instead of the H. Uh, my Spanish teachers in college. I'm it's sorry. okay, man. I'm sorry. It's mostly your whiteness that's coming through. It so is. Uh, but Jaime does such great stuff on BJJRants.com. Uh, uh, they're always promoting uh, really charitable causes. And one of the things they're promoting is Ground 5 Fundamentals. It's an El Monte nonprofit young adult program that's helping to shape better lives with BJJ and Muay Thai. Uh, trying to get that's kids awesome. to like discipline and responsibility. So anytime people are doing that, we want to spread the good word. That again is ground five fundamentals. Keep doing the good work. And BJJ rants, just a good place. If you like jujitsu and MMA covers, they do really good work. Mm -hmm. Um, They keep you nice and in tune with the whole, the depth of knowledge of what's going on. The good people at G roll with Alex Acklin and the very hard to submit geese. Oh man, those things are beautiful. Yeah, they are gorgeous. Yeah, and uh, we recently got in touch by the guys behind VHTS on Facebook, and I let them know that in due time, uh, once I get some free time, which Kevin will test doesn't really exist in this world. Correct. uh, We're gonna get some video of them that I think they're gonna like. Uh, of their geese, but we want to thank them and uh, Alex Eklund for making a lot of that happen. I got to roll with them over at uh, Shallons in New York, and they're the good people that stay with you all the way when you come back to Los Angeles. So uh, I want to say special shout outs to those guys. And if you guys are looking for geese, look at Very Hard to Submit. Really, really good stuff. And they just got a new partnership and are going to start getting some good deals. They're going to start giving away two VHTS geese. Every couple weeks or months, so keep an eye out out for that. I'll be signing up. Done and done. Yep. But yeah, big ups to Jaime and the NWO, which Boom. we learn more about tonight. Kevin, you, I think you would be uh, Buff, Buff Bagwell, Bagwell if you. Were I would love anybody. to be Buff Bagwell. He looked badass. He used to have those tats in the black. Don't think I don't have leather pants already. Don't want to know. <laughs> 
I'm trying. Uh, this next shout out, Raph. Yeah. Oh man. Why I want to hear you try it. Just do it. Ianthi Gunawardana. Hey, I hope that was right. Yeah. <laughs> Out level ground MMA in Boston, new BJJ nonprofit combining the martial arts and life skills. Uh, you can find them on Facebook.com backslash level ground MMA. That sounds really cool. Boston has a huge jiu-jitsu MMA community, so I can imagine they're they're pretty tight-knit. That's cool. And I love, like, if you hear a BJJ nonprofit, doesn't your interest just get piqued to find out more about them? It really does. Like, I instantaneously want to help them. So uh, if someone out there wants to talk about it, definitely get in touch with us. We'd love to hear more about that. Absolutely. They also put a, a nice mention for Submission Impossible in New York City. Cool name. This also. is great. Uh, yeah, completely. Uh, they provide free judo and BJJ lessons to underprivileged kids in Astoria, Queens, and then have them do community cleanup at a local park once a month in return for it. They're just better people. That's amazing. They uh, are. That's a genius thing to do. You can find out more about their cause over at facebook.com backslash submission impossible NYC. And our next shout out, a very dear friend of ours, Paul from Open Mat Radio. Great show. Got me through some work hours this afternoon, as a matter of fact. He sent us a nice list. Vector Jiu-Jitsu Schools Program, Scott Nelson and Alan Marquez, their work with OTM. Very cool. And I'm really excited about this Red Belt documentary they're talking yeah. about as well. I've My interest has been peaked for this for so long. I hope the funding's all through and they're able to get this out because uh, I'm really interested to hear more about the oral history of uh, something that we don't hear a lot about in Jiu-Jitsu. Absolutely. Five Grappling, trying to change the tournament scene. That's a great one. Yes. I love their events. I loved watching it. You got to see it live, and I'm still really jealous. Then they are doing it. You just see so many great testimonials, and I think it's slowly starting to catch on. We're excited for their next event out in February. Hopefully we'll be covering it because they, they do great, great work. We're actually going to have a video of uh, me talking with uh, the president of their company pretty soon. Cool. That's really awesome. Yep. 3150 and Mirkatsu's charity tees. Mm-hmm. They do good work, too. Let's also go over to ACOPian's podcast. Uh, they're okay, I guess, if you're looking for jiu-jitsu content and knowledge, which yeah. we may not provide here, but hey. Uh, we do other things. Strengths. Exactly. Play with your strengths. Ours, we don't know what it is yet. And also the Take It Uneasy podcast. Very cool stuff over there. Uh, we're also going to give it up to 50-50, getting a new location. Uh, hope good things for them. And Kevin, I think you should give out this next shout-out because it's a special one to uh, us here at Verbal Tap. To Lovato's crew of no-gi killers. We, yep. uh, wow, gosh, you guys gave us one hell of a year in jiu-jitsu. So this is a much deserved shout out thank you guys very much for uh, all the work you do and i saw on twitter lovato's thinking about Raphael's thinking about doing a uh, book which would be really yeah. badass i, I think, think we'd I'd all benefit if he ended up doing that pre-order the shit out of that yep. some final shout outs to our norms thank you tonight travis Connolly. thank you 
Sebastian. That was awesome. Yeah, that was a lot. I of think fun. those are a really cool and different thing to do tonight. Andrew over there at BJJ Finder, BJJ and MMA Academy, no concept. Of course, the one, the only Valley Martial Arts Center. VMAC? VMAC. That's going to do it for us here tonight at Verbal Tap Podcast. I'm Kevin. Thanks for listening. Good night and good Kwanzaa. Thank you.